0: Welcome to the Emmanuel Message Podcast. For more information about us, check us out online at Kenosha.Church or on Facebook or Instagram at Kenosha.Church. Popular opinion states there are many paths to truth and to God. Aren't Christians just narrow-minded when they say Jesus is the only way? Many people ask, how could a loving God allow a place like hell? Jesus clearly taught he is the way and there is hell. Today we will hit this head on. Enjoy the message.
1: Today we're going to talk about a question, a big question that is so big that if we botch this or we deny this, the very foundation of which we stand upon our faith begins to crumble. As Tom mentioned in the intro, we're going to talk about today the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. That is, Jesus is the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. In fact, uh, we didn't make that up. Jesus said it very explicitly in John chapter 14, verse 6. This is, let me just read to you. It says, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do not know him, you have seen him. All right? So Jesus said very clearly, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And again, you can't get any clearer than this. Jesus is saying there is a right and there's a wrong. If you say that Jesus isn't all that, according to Jesus, he doesn't agree with you. And I believe this conversation, we've been navigating what truth is all about. We've been navigating the problem of evil. We were navigating uh, tolerance and intolerance. But I believe that everything, even the battle that's going on in culture today, I believe as followers of Christ, this is where it stops. This is where it's landing. When you're like, where's all this going? This is where it's going. It's going right here. John 14, 6. So, even though it's clear, it has not stopped people from reinterpreting what Jesus has clearly said. I was a window washer uh, before I was a pastor. I was a window washer. Many of you know this, some of you don't. So uh, I was a pretty good window washer, all right? And I did it not because I wanted to wash windows or I felt called into window washing. I did it to pay the bills while I was in school. And so I'd wash windows around the Chicagoland area and paid my bills. It was awesome. But a peculiar thing is one of my bosses, uh, he went to seminary and stopped going to seminary. And one day while we were washing, he just looked at this window. and said, look how clean this window looks. It's so beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, it's clean. It's clean. He's like, yes. Reminds me of Jesus. And I said, it reminds you of Jesus. Like, how do you, how do I see my reflection, your reflection? Well, what's going on? And then as we went to lunch, I talked to him a little bit more about it. And he said that everything that we do, we should do unto Jesus. I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. He's like, and I want you to know that I don't think Jesus resurrected. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, I don't think Jesus resurrected. You see, I think Jesus was just an example in life, an example for everything that we ought to do, all the good that we're to do in the world, including a clean window. And I'm like, aha, I see where he's getting that now. He doesn't believe that Jesus resurrected. He didn't believe that Jesus was God. He believed that Jesus was a good moral guru, of which many gurus that we can listen to in better life. You know, many people share this view today, whether uh, in full or in part. Uh, in fact, if you were to talk to atheists today, uh, they, they would even say, well, if Jesus is fine for you because maybe it's given you morality, Right? But when we talk about Jesus being the only way, very few people deny that Jesus existed. Did you know that? Most people, including atheists, would say that Jesus walked the earth, even, that, even Jesus died on the cross. They just don't believe that he resurrected from the dead and that he was God. In fact, even first century historians can back up the claim that there was a historical Jesus that walked the earth. Uh, Tacitus and Josephus stated in their writings that Jesus was a charismatic leader uh, of the Jews, of which uh, the Romans killed and the Jewish people killed, and that their disciples and hundreds of others claimed to have witnessed his resurrection, witnessed him after the resurrection. So where people disagree today isn't necessarily that Jesus existed. Most people believe that. It's who Jesus is or what did Jesus say and should we follow that? In fact, if you were to poll uh, people today in society, 52% believe that Jesus was just a good teacher. So if you were to poll people that say they're Christians, okay, across uh, whether it be uh, liberal churches, progressive churches, uh, people that are, go to church at Christmas or Easter, or people that go every week, 52% of the population in the United States today believe that Jesus was only a good example. He wasn't God. So I wonder what the evangelical, what we would call the Bible-believing churches, what is the percentage of people that believe that Jesus was just a good moral teacher and nothing else? And I was dumbfounded to see that the latest poll said 30% of people that claim to be Bible-believing say that Jesus is only just a good teacher. Uh, Not everything is true about him. That's an indictment of what's going on. Now, I'm sure many of you have faced questions, though, if you were to be honest with yourself. Of, okay, I know that Jesus is the only way, but why? Why couldn't there have been many other ways? Or, or why is there the existence of, of hell? Or, or why is it that a really jerky person that goes to church every week who claims Jesus could go to heaven when a really nice grandma atheist is going to go to hell forever, right? Have you thought of these things? You can think of these things but not deny the very fact. But, but again, it just seems like, man, these are, these are tough. These, are, these aren't necessarily a, attractive truths, But you know, here's the deal. Just because a truth isn't attractive doesn't mean it's not true. Just because it's inconvenient doesn't mean that it's not true, right? I know that when I go to the doctor, I have a... I have uh, the yearly physical, all right? And apparently, I skipped my physical for so long, they dropped me as a patient. I didn't even know they could do that, right? And so I went on, hey, I need my physical. I'm going, I'm going to be 40 this year, so I've I, told you can't eat as many donuts and you have to have a physical, okay? So, so can I have a physical? Well, you're not a patient. Well, I need to be your patient again. And so I'm going there and I'm, and then they tell me a bunch of things like I'm doing wrong, right? Not exercising enough, and my cholesterol's too high. I'm like, are you kidding me? I've reached this point where I have to worry about all this stuff. And the thing is this, I don't think about it, right? And I think somehow when, you, when you're just living life and you don't think about it, somehow that's truth until you're hit smack dab with an inconvenient truth that I gotta quit eating so many donuts, right? But it's like that with anything else that we don't like thinking about. Just because we don't like thinking about it doesn't mean it's still not there, it's still not true. And such is the case, the very re- real question that we have to ask ourselves this morning, are we gonna take everything that Jesus said as true? Are we going to live our life in conformity to what Jesus has said? Or are we going to project our own truth onto Jesus? We already see that a majority of people in this culture, that's exactly what they're doing, and a growing minority of even people that claim to be Bible-believing are are claiming they can project some of their truth onto Jesus. Listen, I want you to know this right now. If you don't take everything that Jesus and what he has to say, you're not Bible-believing by your own admission, right? So when it comes to Jesus being the only way to heaven, the existence of hell, or even the importance of us sharing the gospel message, there are four approaches right now that we're taking. Where are we at? There's four approaches. Number one is you believe it's true and you're doing it, right? You believe it's true, you do it, right? The second one, and this is where a lot of Bible-believing Christians have just kind of fallen into, is they say you believe, but you don't do it. You say you believe and you don't do it, right? Right? And so whereas you're living by faith in the first one, this, this one is complacency. Uh, our natural position as followers of Christ is to fall into complacency, not more faithfulness. To be faithful, you've got to fight for it. You've got to walk into it. You've got to be intentional with it. Now, as you become complacent, you become hard-hearted. Uh, some just don't believe. You don't believe because you have doubts, and so you don't really believe it. You don't do it. But this is where it lands, and this is where culture is going. It's not that you just don't believe, but let's talk about it you won't believe. I'm not going to believe that. Why? I don't agree with that. Well, that's what Jesus said. I don't care. Well, that's what the Bible says. It doesn't matter, right? And so we're seeing a lot of people saying, "I won't believe that." And that you think that number 4 is far away from the church, but it's creeping into the church all over the place. So our guiding principle this morning, our main idea is this, as we look at who Jesus is, that he's the only way. Is we need to shape your beliefs. You need to shape your beliefs on what is real rather than what you feel shape your beliefs on what is real rather than what you feel this is so important especially in this pandemic season so many of us have led by our feelings right and our feelings are are at least stressed if not broken right now it is so important to lead in the, and be led by the truth of jesus christ even when we can't feel it so the three things we're going to look at specifically this morning three things that the bible is so very clear is that Jesus indeed is the only way that hell is real and that we have an obligation to share we need to shape our beliefs around these of what is real rather than what we feel let's take a look at number one Jesus is clear there is only one way to heaven Jesus is clear very clear there is only one way to heaven let's go back to John chapter 14 again if you're uh Not typically into your Bibles, I invite you to to turn to your Bibles. We put the words on the screen uh, for those of you that are guests and at home. We put those on the screen as well, too. But whether you're at home or in person, we really encourage you to get in the habit, open that Bible, get it up on your phone, and take notes along with it. All right, John chapter 14, verse 1. Uh, Jesus uh, had just told, by the way, prior to this passage, the disciples, uh, that one of of the 12 was going to be a traitor. All right? And so they're like, who's going to be the traitor, right? So they're kind of dismayed by this. Um, He also told them that he was going to leave them. And then later on, he pulls Peter aside and said, oh, by the way, you're going to deny me three times, all right? So they're kind of just thrown into a little bit of a loop here, right? They're, they're feeling, uh, they're, they're not feeling great. And so John 14, verse 1, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you, I would not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. And so these disciples are dismayed about these truths that Jesus had just given them. Uh, they are, they're feeling a little uh, sensitive. And so Jesus is comforting the disciples. He's saying, listen, I'm going away, but I'm going away to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, so when he's talking about heaven, are many rooms. And the old King James Version said there are many mansions. All right, I like that one. It's better than a nice little room, all right? You're not going to get a little nice hotel room. This is going to be a heavenly air, BB, all right? And so he is preparing a place for you. It's going to be amazing. And even when we are facing the calamities of life, you need to understand that God is working before you. God is preparing a place for you, heaven, a place that's described of uh, streets of gold and diamonds. mansions and Jesus is describing heaven in a way that we would understand but I want you to know that that we, we we see these things as the most valuable and important things on earth but it's just the starting point right like when we look at the descriptions of heaven and even hell like he's giving us descriptions of it's just the starting point right we tend to minimize heaven and minimize hell but no these descriptions are just the starting point of how great or how awful great is being heaven awful hell is going to be So he describes this place. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be beyond anything we can ever experience or see here on earth. And you know, I think we need to enlarge our view of heaven a little bit, church, right? Uh, When I I talk about heaven, my my son, he he came up to me, Elias, and he said, Daddy, I'm a little worried about heaven. I was like, why are you worried about heaven? He's like, well, are my toys going to be up there? And then, of course, as a good parent, you're like, no, all right? No, no, they're, they're golden toys, all right? Yeah. And so, oh, Daddy, is there going to be NASCAR in heaven, right? He's a big NASCAR fan. He, he, he pulls me. You better not preach too long, Daddy. There's a NASCAR. Okay, I get it. I understand it. Is going to be NASCAR? Uh, no, it's not. But what I tell him is this, is that whatever is going to be in heaven is going to be greater than what you experience here on earth. And we, we can resonate with what my 10-year-old son is talking about, because when we think of heaven, we often think of the things, are these things going to be up there? And we're missing the point. The things that we value so much here on earth, it's going to be that much. Better And the best thing is this, is don't look at the stuff that you're going to get, because that's that's just looking at it from a sinful heart. We get to be in the presence of God. And if you're like, well, that doesn't really interest me, listen, open yourself up to the presence of God. When you have those moments in worship, when you have those awesome mountaintop experiences in prayer and worship, if, you, if you've ever had those, I want you to remember those, because that is just a little moment that you're going to have forever in heaven, right? Those things that you long for being in the presence of God, it's going to be absolutely every day, every moment. How awesome is that, church? right so Jesus was saying to Thomas the disciple who's confused he he was saying I'm going to prepare a place for you in a place that's so awesome But verse five Lord Thomas said we don't know where you're going see Jesus said you know where I'm going but Thomas like no we don't we don't know where you're going how can we know the way I, I love this right Jesus is kind of giving directions like some of you all give directions, You know, spe- especially those of you that were given directions before GPS. You know, like, okay, this is how you get to my house. You go down the street, and then if you go past the windmill, you've gone too far, but you're going to go past this yellow house on the right, and then you're going to go a couple blocks and a couple houses, and I'm the house on the left. But if it doesn't have a light on, then you may have gone too far, or maybe you haven't gone far enough, right? You remember those directions? Some of you still give these in the GPS day. There's a thing called Google, right? <laughs> But that's what Jesus was doing. He's like, you know the way. And Thomas is like, no, we don't know the way. Just can you be specific about it? And Jesus answered him very specifically. Verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Light bulb moment for the disciples. Like, oh, he's telling one of his stories again. You know, right? Right? He's he's, he's, He's dropping a truth bomb right now, right? Jesus is the way. Notice it says the way. And this is a far cry from how culture wants to interpret this verse today. They want, they want to say it's a way or Jesus is many ways. But no, Jesus is making very specific. He is the way. Now, when you look for directions on Google Maps, right, uh, you can type in the direction and then you get uh, you get a, you get the Google suggested paths, but usually there it is. So I'm going to go to Partillos. All right, I love Partillos. Right, but look at that—they give me about two, sometimes three, different ways to get there. And so when Jesus said, I am the way, the listeners, the hearers of this verse would understand, whoa, he's saying there's not multiple ways. There's not like the scenic route and there's not like the, you know, the the quickest way to get there. There's only one way. And from a Roman listener, they understood roads, right? They understood roads. There was a vast network of roads in the Roman Empire. Uh, What they didn't have was GPS, but they understood the roads, right? And when Jesus said, hey, don't look at all these different roads because there's only one way and time. Thomas and the rest of the disciples are like, okay, it's going to be through you. It's going to be through you. And this is by far the most controversial statement, I believe, that Jesus has made in all of Scripture, and it's controversial then, it's controversial now. The reason why it was controversial then is the Jewish authorities realized Jesus is claiming to be God. He's he's claiming to be the Messiah. He's claiming to be the way to heaven. In Rome, they were pretty upset about this because in Rome, they lived in a very pluralistic society, much like our society today. People of many different beliefs. As Rome was conquering different countries all around the world, they would conquer people that had different false gods. And like, well, you know what? What's it to us, right? You can have as many gods as you want, right? And so there was this really, uh, this this, this pantheon of gods in, in Rome. You could have whatever god that you wanted, but with one caveat. It couldn't be supreme. Who was supreme was, was Caesar, it was the government, right? The government's number one, then you can have your little God stuff, right? Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping on, some, on a hot wire here right now because this is what we kind of feel what's going on around the world today. I want you to know that we're to honor our government, but if the government tells us to dishonor God, we're not going to do that, right? And so, when Jesus said, he's the way, the truth, and the life, uh-oh, he broke a lot of people's rules, didn't he? And Rome realized, we have a problem. We have some traitors. The Jewish people said, we have blasphemers. And in 2021, people say, that's bigoted. Are you kidding? That's small-minded. And yet Jesus is saying it. He's saying he is the only way. Jesus is the only way. And so the question is, if he's the only way, then I want to echo Thomas's question, then how do we get on that way? To receive Jesus, you must be born again. Because of Jesus' controversial message, a Pharisee named Nicodemus came to Jesus with questions in the night. He didn't want to be seen because he knew his peers would chastise him. They know his peers may kick him out of the groups. And like, I have some questions. This Jesus is really intriguing me. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just I'm gonna go in the night. I'm going to go ask him some questions. John chapter 3 verse 1. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. And Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And they go back and forth. He's like confused. Like, how do I get born again? How do I go back to my mother's womb? And he's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. It's like, you're born once physically, but you're dead spiritually. You're dead because you're born into a world of sin. You are a sinner as well. You we, we don't have to teach a kid how to sin, right? And so what happens is, if you want life, life eternal, you need to be born again spiritually, John 3, 16, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I'm gonna go extended edition. Usually we stop right there. Verse 17 is so cool. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name, the one and only son of God. Jesus is clear. He is the only way. And we have to personally place our faith and trust in him alone to receive the salvation that he is giving. And just like Nicodemus, many people today seek things about Jesus in the dark. Because his views are polarizing. Because oh, I don't know, I want people to know I'm that, right? And, we, and if we're all honest, there have been moments we've shrinked back in our faith because we're afraid of what people are going to think, right? We've all had our Nicodemus moments. There was a time I really stuck my foot in my mouth. Oh boy, oh boy, this was bad. I was at a buffet, all right? And uh, on their menu board above the cash register was a small picture of a bearded man. I think I was with Tom. I was, because he makes makes fun of me with this. It was a picture of a bearded man. Immediately I thought, oh, whoa! It's Jesus. So I I said to the lady, hey, that's so cool that you have a picture of Jesus on your menu board. But you know, like, uh, when words are coming out of your mouth and your mind's like, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking, right? I wasn't listening to that little voice in my head because what it was trying to tell me, the, the little voice of the Holy Spirit was, that's not Jesus. Because behind Jesus were these Flame throwing dragons. All right. So I realized, oh, I think this might be Buddhist or something totally other. I don't even know about. Right. And so this isn't Jesus. But I'm like, oh, it's so cool that you have this picture of Jesus. And the lady immediately goes, that is not Jesus. And I realized, I think I'm going to get thrown out of this buffet. Right. And for some people, Jesus evokes an emotion that is so I don't want to hear anything about it. And we've ran into people like that, right? Maybe they're people from different religions. Maybe they're people that have a bad experience or they're avid atheists, right? But I think, that's, I think the far majority of people you're going to run into, people are going to be okay with Jesus. Oh, you're with Jesus? Okay, cool. They're okay with Jesus. They're just not okay with, at least in part or in full, what he has to say and what he's all about. You see, people want Jesus to be kind of this token, do what you want to do in love, Right? People are all about Jesus, but they're just not about his message. Today, people want to claim Jesus without living out his commands in full or in part. They want to make Jesus into something that is at best a watered-down diet Jesus full of aspartame and no carbs, right? They want to make Jesus that fits into their circle of influence, into their cultural upbringing, or or just anything they want him to be. We see this. You can, find, you can Google a church and find a church to back up any of you that you want, right? That's not why we go to church. That's not why we're part of a church family. We're part of a church family uh, to be led by Jesus Christ. We know who Jesus Christ is because of the word of God. Uh, and when we follow Jesus Christ, he empowers us with the, with the Holy Spirit to do the miraculous things that God wants his church to do. Today, there are many examples of people, though, that are trying to make Jesus... A mixture of everything. You know, everything's the same. I think everything just kind of leads all the same direction. You may have heard, right? You've heard people say that? Oh, I just, I, how, how are you to say that your God is the only way to heaven? I mean, that just seems kind of small-minded. Like, seriously? They just all go the same way. And when I hear people say that, I'm like, you haven't really understood what everybody is saying around the world because they don't all logically make sense. In fact, Buddhism, they teach that Jesus was not God, but he was an enlightened man. That doesn't that doesn't check with what Jesus said, right? Uh, Hinduism states that Jesus is an incarnation, one of millions of gods. Uh, Islam states that Jesus was a prophet who was inferior to Muhammad. Uh, Mormonism states that, oh man, Mormonism gets the winner, winner, chicken dinner here. Mormonism states that Jesus was only a man and became one of many gods who was a spirit brother of Satan, all right? Sounds like a really bad Marvel film, all right? And then woke Christianity or progressive Christianity. By the way, when I say progressive Christianity, that's not one in the same of politics. It can be. It's just a progressive Christianity is progressing beyond truth. Okay? That's what that means. Pro- progressing beyond established orthodoxy. All right? So woke Christianity or progressive Christianity believes that Jesus was a socialist example to liberate structures of oppression and to prove oneself through good works. But usually, progressive Christianity ends with disenchantment because, listen, no matter how hard we try in life, we end up failing, don't we? That's why I believe that even cancer culture, cancel culture is only going to end when the bodies of those who have been canceled are piled high to the sky, right? There's no one left to be canceled, right? And so, again, progressive woke Christianity is a, a way of trying to liberate yourself to your true self in this life now. But we see that that's not what biblical Christianity is all about. All views are not equal. But we're living, though, listen, even though all views are not equal, and we see that logically, all views have accessibility. Do not for one moment believe that the accessibility of a topic makes it true. I'll give you an example. I ran into somebody who said, "Andy, I need help." I was like, "Okay, what?" I ran into someone with some odd beliefs. I'm like, "Okay, let's talk about it." He goes, "Yeah, he's a flat earther." I was like, "What? A flat earther?" He's like, "Yeah." I was sitting next to him on the plane, and he was like trying to evangelize me, like, you know, the Earth is flat. It's like, how did he, really, they still exist? It's like, yeah, and, and how, how is he being discipled? Because listen, when people have odd views, they're being discipled by somebody, right? And I was like, well, who's discipling him? Well, he joined this Facebook group called the Flat Earth Society. It's like, oh, okay. It's like, and he's just totally into it. It's like, what do I tell him? It's like, well, the next time you're on the plane with him, if you ever so have that chance, just tell him to look out the window and see the curvature of the earth, all right? And then case closed and tell him to cancel his Facebook, all right? But oftentimes we feel like, And we get confused because there's accessibility to different views that somehow they're reliable. And so that's why we have the increase of ideas, of so many fringe ideas or so many different and new ideas that are becoming uh, first and forefront in culture today. It's because we have the accessibility of different views. That's why sexuality, you have the accessibility of making it whatever you want. It's, It's why with religions, you have the accessibility of making it whatever you want, right? That's not truth. That's just accessibility to information, whether they're true or not true. All religions and thoughts can't be the same, it's incoherent. There is only one way. Now, as Jesus was very clear about who he was and what he was going to do, we would often get in debates, specifically with the religious people. And Jesus was in a religious debate with the Jewish people, and uh, they got so ticked off at Jesus. Uh, that they accused him of having a demon, all right? I've never been accused of having a demon before, but seriously, you accused Jesus of having a demon? Well, anyway, and so Jesus just launched in to just really take it next level. John chapter eight, verse 56, Jesus says, "'Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought "'of seeing my day. "'He saw it and was glad. "'You're not yet 50 years old,' they said to him. How could "'They're saying, okay, wait, "'you're saying that father Abraham, "'who had many sons, right?' You're saying that he knew you? No way. Oh, you're not even 50 years old. You haven't seen him. Verse 58 Very, very, uh, very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. Woo, Jesus just did it, right? He just said, Wait, before Abraham, I was there, but he didn't say I was there. He said, before Abraham, I am. And any Hebrew or Jewish listener would say, whoa, he just used the word of God. If God, The, the, the highest way of saying God's name was I am. And Jesus has said that. He was I am, which means he's a blasphemer. Go get stones. Begin to, st- begin to stone him, verse 59. At this, they picked up the stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself and slipped away from the temple grounds Jesus declared emphatically who he was. He is God. He is the only way. And he was controversial in saying this. For those in progressive Christianity, they like to claim only selective moral teachings of Jesus. And this creates major problems. If Jesus is not who he says he is in full, we are full of problems. C.S. Lewis stated it this way that if jesus somehow a good moral teacher was not all he said he was and is he's a liar and how could a liar a liar of all the ages be such a good moral teacher as people make him out to be rather he'd be a hypocrite rather jesus would be a con man if jesus is a liar there is no way he can be a good moral teacher as many of those that don't want him to be lord say he is he's either lord of all or jesus is lord of nothing And I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He's King of all. He has brought the greatest message of humanity that we can be made right with God. Even though that we are alienated, we can be made right with him and be made sons and daughters of the Most High God. You cannot have a good moral teacher if he's a liar and a hypocrite. He must be who he says he is. He is a perfect God. And yet... I just went around and found churches all around the country today. I just, I just, as during this week, in fact, someone sent me, this all started. You know, like when you go online, you're like, what did I just do the last half hour? Well, uh, that happened. I was looking at all these different churches, mission statements. And someone sent me uh, from a different city said, hey, could you check out this church? I'm kind of associated with. I'm like, yeah, sure. I looked at it and I was horrified. They didn't have life groups or Bible studies. They had book clubs on subjects that had nothing to do with Jesus. Their their mission statement had nothing that resembled a Bible. In fact, many of these mission statements, as I began to go around churches that were connecting with this church, they sounded more like the platform of the USSR than the kingdom of God. They stripped away Jesus' holiness. They twisted his words. They said he wasn't perfect, and yet they said that he was a good ethical person of the day. These churches sound more like the activism of the day than the salvation of the ages that Jesus offers you see, Jesus came not so that we can have a club in his name. Church, let's understand that. Because sometimes we even as self-proclaimed Bible-believing Christians, right? We can fall into this. We can have a holy huddle, right? We can have a holy huddle even over truth. We didn't, Jesus did not form his bride to be a club in his name. No, rather we are a rescue mission. We are a rescue mission for Jesus Christ. We're saved by grace through faith. Not of a work so that no one can boast. To all those who received him, that gave him the right to become children of God, we are on a rescue mission. The people to know Jesus Christ, just as somebody shared you that awesome message as well. We're a family of God to lift Jesus Christ high in this city. We want to see this city changed. Not because there are initiatives around town. And listen, initiatives can be good. But we want to see people to meet their maker in this life now and forever. I believe that Emmanuel Kenosha Church is positioned in this place in the city, in this time in this city, to make waves in this city. Not just a little ripple, but a tsunami of his grace, a tsunami of his miracles, a tsunami of his power, knowing that Jesus Christ is indeed in control. We are not a club. No, no, no. Let's not waste our life. Let's not waste our moment. We are a people of God to be the people of God. Can I get an amen church on that one? Shape your beliefs on what is real rather than how you feel. Now, if Jesus is the only way, the question then, logically, is what happens to those who reject him? And again, Jesus is very clear. Point number two today for taking notes. Jesus is clear. Hell is a real place for those who reject him. Now, besides sexuality, which is a huge reason why people just denounce Uh, The scriptures are going to announce Bible uh, Bible version of Jesus, right? Their own version of Jesus. Uh, Besides sexuality, hell is one of the biggest stumbling blocks for those not to place their faith and trust in Jesus. Only half of Christians today in society, a recent poll, believe in the existence of a real hell. Uh, And then for those, there's a percentage above those that are open to the existence of hell, but only for really bad people, such as terrorists and, and murderers. For many, the idea that a good person could go to hell is way too cruel. Others seems it seems too harsh a punishment. And others seem like, well, I just don't know if it's a literal place. Others say, well, everybody goes to heaven, and that's a heresy called universalism. Hell is so difficult that even C.S. Lewis said, if I could remove one doctrine from the Bible, he says this, there's no doctrine which I would be more willing to remove from Christianity than this if it lay in my power. But C.S. Lewis no. That was just, it was hard. It was a hard truth. He didn't remove it because the Old Testament, the New Testament and Jesus himself were so very clear on the existence of hell. In fact, Jesus, his overall teachings, 13% of his teachings were on hell. Half of his parables, he mentioned hell and why he wanted to warn us about the reality of a place that is forever outside of his presence. But one of the main objections of hell is, well, it just seems so unjust. Hell is not unjust. It's not unjust. Hell is not unjust. Even though in our human minds sometimes it might seem that way. So let's talk why it is not unjust. Luke chapter 13, verse 22. He, as Jesus went through one town and village after another, teaching and making his way to Jerusalem. Lord, someone asked him, are only a few people going to be saved? That word saved is used a lot in the church. We use it here every week. But have you ever ever stopped to think when you say, "Hey, have you been saved?" or "Hey, I've been saved," to say, "Saved from what?" Right? We use it as a word where we just spew it out and that's done, and it's 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 a good word, right? But what's it mean? Saved, saved from what? If you ask some people, though, you're gonna be horrified by what they answer. Some people that have turned Jesus into something other than what we see in the Bible. uh, Jesus has come to this earth to save you from earthly oppression. Or a socioeconomical revolution that will bring freedom to the disenfranchised. Or salvation to liberate you to your true self of who you truly are. But that's not salvation. Yes, we're supposed to care for the poor and the widows and those that don't have food. Yes, that is something that that we are called to do as followers of Christ. But I want you to know that these are symptoms of a fallen world. And there's something even bigger we need to take care of. And that we need to be uh, ultimately uh, infatuated with. And that is eternity. And so when we see here saved, it is eternal salvation. Because we are separated from Almighty God because of our sins. Jesus told His disciples... Something very clear. You see, often we, there's a gospel that's being preached where it's like, okay, if you receive Jesus, uh, your life's going to be all better. Have you heard that sometimes on, on Christian TV, right? It's like, receive Jesus today, and what's going to happen is you're going to get your cars, you're going to get your relationships on, you're going to get all these things. Listen, Jesus can do that, and Jesus loves to restore different things in our lives. Don't stop praying for those things, but that's not why we go to Jesus. Your walk with Jesus will not last if you're following him only to get something else. But yet, that's what we've reduced our salvation to Jesus all about. Something other than Jesus and being made right with him. And so sometimes when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, life doesn't get easier. But it's not about being short-sighted about this life. It's about seeing eternity, right? You you hear people talk about, let's have our best life right now, right? Well, try telling that to a third-world Christian that could get their head lopped off for being a Christian, Right? And so Jesus told his disciples, he leveled with them. If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. When Jesus talked about salvation, he was talking about the salvation of our souls. Salvation from the punishment that every single one of us deserved in a place called hell. We naturally, naturally stand in opposition to the things of God. We naturally stand uh, separated from God unless we receive the remedy. And the remedy is the only way through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see... People, I've heard people say, well, why can't there just not be a hell? Why can't there just be a heaven? And listen, if there is not a hell, if God's like, yeah, just come on all in here, right? Oh, forget about it. Just come on in here. It doesn't matter what went on. doesn't matter if you follow me. It doesn't, doesn't matter if you place your faith and trust me. Just come on into heaven, right? Heaven wouldn't be heaven. It'd be earth 2.0, right? Or for the people that don't believe that there is any heaven or hell, why would, really? Like this earth is then your heaven, And this earth isn't heaven, right? All you have to do is look for all the oppression in the world, the the starvation, the wars, everything, and you're like, that's heaven? That's why Jesus' message isn't one that's like, oh, I can't believe it. It's like, oh, thank you, God, right? Jesus talks about being saved. He's talking about our souls. Jesus continues, Luke chapter 13, verse 24. He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able. Once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door, then you will stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open the door for us. And he will answer to you, I don't know you or where you came from. And then you will say, well, we ate and drank in your presence and, we taught in our, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I don't know where you came from. Get away from me, you evil doers. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place. That's one of the scariest passages in Scripture. He also has a similar scripture in Matthew. In talking with people, they know they're far from God, but they think, well, God just can be cool with me when I die, Right? Or, you know, I'm just going to hedge my bets that everything's going to work out in the end. And some churches, they teach that. They teach you have a second chance after you die. Uh, they call it purgatory, right? Purgatory is not found in Scripture, right? Okay? Uh, but they'll call it purgatory. Or some people will say, well, I'll reincarnate, as in some other religions. They'll say, well, I'll get a second chance here on Earth. Or others, they think, like, you know, I just, every, just kumbaya, right? I'm, I'm not, you know, Kim Jong-un or something like that, right? The Bible is very clear here, and we see this even in Jesus' parable. Once the door is shut, it is shut. And the door shuts when you die or Christ comes back in our lifetime. And if you haven't placed your faith and trust in Christ, then it is too late. Hell is awful. It's painful. We see this. There's weeping. There's gnashing of teeth in that place. The scriptures also describe it a place of fire, of, of eternal punishment. We'll get to that in a moment. So, hell is just. We have an almighty God who's perfect. And the punishment is just. Well, some people are like, okay, well, if it's just, don't you think that it's a little overkill? You know? Like if you stole a pack of gum and someone gave you a life imprisonment, don't you think that's a little bit overkill, right? So I've heard that. It's like, okay, I understand there needs to be a hell to, you know, if, 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 you know, if there's going to be perfection in heaven. Or I, okay, I understand that. But don't you think it's just a little bit unjust? Like if somebody tells a white lie, they're going to go to hell, right? You mean God's standard is perfection? Yes, it is. That just doesn't seem just. Uh, uh, well, uh, at least if it's just, it just it feels a little overkill. Eternal, But here's the deal, eternal punishment. Fits the crime. Eternal punishment fits the crime. The Bible's clear. Hell's described as have, having a, a being a place of fire that's never quenched. Matthew chapter twenty-five, verse forty-six, calls it eternal punishment. That word "eternal," by the way, this is important to understand because some people today are saying that you're uh, annihilated when you're dead, right? So, like, okay, you're not going to go to heaven, but you just cease to be. Well, that's not what we see here. We see that hell is eternal conscious. Punishment. So we see here that word eternal comes from the original word that explicitly states that your conscience, it's a painful presence away from God that will never end. There's no way around that word. I know it's inconvenient. I know it's harsh. But I would be lying to you if I told you anything different. Okay? For many, that seems harsh that the nice grandma who didn't know Jesus would be facing that. But the problem isn't Hell, the problem is not Jesus. The problems are perspective on the severity of sin. Nobody would disagree that if somebody murders someone, they should go to jail for life, right? If someone's, you know, a horrific murderer, they're going to go to jail for life, right? And whether they live eight more minutes or whether they live 800 years, if they have a life without parole sentence, they're not getting out, right? And we'd say, that fits the crime. That, that sentence seems correct, And without sending that person to jail, we would say that would be unjust. Yet a greater crime, and in fact I would say the greatest crime in all the universe, is a person's, yours, mine, all of our sins against an almighty God. A refusal to live for God and to give him full glory. When we sin, when we do it our own way, we are stealing glory away from an infinite God. And when we sin against an infinite God, it demands an infinite punishment. The reason why we feel like hell just seems like overkill is that we have have minimized the severity of what sin is against God. When we sin, we commit treason against the Creator. When we sin, unless we have a Savior, we're all headed for hell. And our good works that try to get to God, they're always going to fall short. That's why we need Jesus. Hell is hard. Hell is gut-wrenching. It's definitely gut-wrenching when we think of, whenever we talk about hell, people are like, I always think of this person, I always think of this person. And sometimes when we think of the ramifications of hell, it stops us from talking about Jesus because, like, I just can't think of that. But don't let that stop you from sharing Jesus. In fact, make that a motivation for you sharing about Jesus. So our third point is this. Jesus is clear that followers have a moral obligation to share his message. Now, we've all seen the guys that say, turn or burn, right? We've all seen those guys, right? And we all see the people that try to motivate people into heaven by talking about hell all the time. I will say this. I do believe people can place their faith and trust in Jesus because they're like, oh, man, I don't want to go to hell, right? But if that is their only motivation, they're missing everything, right? We don't go to heaven just to get out of hell. We go to heaven to be with our creator, God. And so we wanna make sure that we are leading people to the love of Jesus Christ. We're leading people to understand what Jesus did for them. We lead people to understand the infinite love, the infinite grace, the infinite mercy that our Lord Jesus Christ has for us. That's what we wanna lead people into. You know what I think hell is a great motivator for? Yeah, to impart to people that don't know Christ, you and me, those that consider yourselves followers of Christ, we realize it's real. The reason why I believe the latest, one of the latest uh, statistics said that it takes 20 years for one person in a church to lead someone to Christ is because the flames of hell have grown dim, right? They've grown dim like we they just, we don't believe it's, is it really all that real? Is it really all that necessary? Yes, it is. And when we realize that the, the eternal, ba- the, the eternity is, lies in the balance of every single person's lives, We realize the gospel is good news, but the gospel is not just good news. It's a rescue mission. There's urgency. Remember, I was at the Rose Bowl in 2016. My dad, a lifelong Hawkeyes fan, brought me. My brother bought tickets. He brought our hotel, brought the flights. It was awesome. But the Iowa Hawkeyes got crushed, all right? Uh, They got crushed by Stanford. But I remember going into the Rose Bowl, and these guys were holding up yellow signs, and they said, for the wages of sin is death. Another guy said, you're going to hell. And it was just, I, I, I was feeling uneasy, right? And so, and they're kind of yelling at you, uh, you know. And so I go up to the guy, I'm like, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. Uh, it says, for the wages of sin or death. You know, I agree with that, but where's the good news? Like, is on the back of your sign? Oh, no, it's just bad news too. Okay, here's the reason why we sometimes shy away from sharing the gospel is we see people that are bad at sharing it. Or they're doing it for the wrong motives. They want to look good or they want, to, they want to show that they're better and you're not, right? Well, just because there's a bad messenger doesn't mean we throw out the message. Tom talked about that last week. If you had a bad math teacher, doesn't mean two plus two doesn't equal four, right? Don't, don't let a bad messenger stop you from giving out a good message. It's urgent. Acts 4.12 says, there is salvation in no one else. There's no one under the name of heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Too often people will share Jesus by scaring them to hell, but listen, we want to show them the love of Jesus. And when you get saved in Jesus Christ, listen, this is this is what we lead people to. You're declared not guilty. Those very things that you feel like you're drowning with, he lifts you up, he delivers you. You have peace with God. You have bold access to talk to him whenever you want. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're able to live naturally supernatural lives. You get redemption from suffering. You've overcome your sin. You've realized your eternal purpose. And you stand and you get to realize his presence, that he has purposes and plans to execute through your life. And you realize that wherever you place value in in this world it is nothing compared to the glory that's to be revealed you realize that the sufferings of this world are nothing re- compared to the glory that's in heaven you realize that God works all things for the good for those that are called according to his purpose you realize that he has purposes and plans for your life and when you realize that and when people realize they can have that listen they know there's hell and they know that they don't want to go to it but man they're even more enamored of what they're getting Jesus Christ in full It's urgent. Every second we are closer to his coming or our passing. Every second we're closer. Every second your loved one, your friend is closer to his second coming or their passing. And the question I asked you a couple weeks ago, who are the three people that you're going to pray for this year? Who are the three people that you're going to care for this year that show random acts of kindness and, and show that you love them no matter if they place their faith and trust in Christ or not? Who are the three people that you're actually going to share the gospel message? The gospel message being that God created them for a purpose and plan, but that their sins separated them from God's purposes and plans. And that sins can't be removed by good deeds. That sins can't be removed by doing good. But listen, the awesome thing is this, that paying the price for sin, Jesus Christ died and rose again, and that everyone who places their faith in Him alone will be saved. And when you're saved, here's the awesome thing, is that the eternal life, we don't have to wait for it, the kingdom of God starts right now, doesn't it? It starts right now as we expand the mission and ways of Jesus throughout this world as we prepare for eternity. It is a message you don't need to be a professional to know and and live by. Listen, sometimes people say, oh, we have more of an evangelistic heart or or, oh, that person's more of an evangelist. Listen, those are excuses. Paul told Timothy, who is a pastor of a church, he said, do the work of an evangelist. Every single one of us has a moral obligation to love people, to share Jesus, Jesus with people and to walk alongside with people whether they are receiving Jesus or not. I want you to know this. God wants to move through you in his supernatural, influential way and the thing as I said earlier to start in this message today was this, is that sometimes it's an attitude adjustment. We have to cast off the hindrances and say God I'm opening myself up fully and completely to you who work through me however you want to work to me. I'm going to open up my eyes to see what you're doing today. I'm going to open up my eyes to see who I can share or who I can have a conversation with today. I'm going to open up my spiritual ears and say, God, what should I be talking to you about today? What should I be praying to you today? Don't go till noon and say, I haven't prayed to God. Always be talking to God. It doesn't need to be folding of your hands and saying, okay, dear Jesus. No, it's just talking to Him like you would talk to anybody else. But the beautiful thing is, He's not just anybody else. When you talk to Jesus Christ, you're talking to the creator of the universe. You're talking to the one who can move the mountains. You're talking to the one that can create any miracle and move you in places and move about out in places that you think are impossible. Man, we have an amazing God that we have amazing access to. Don't we, church? So when it comes to Jesus being the only way to heaven, the existence of hell or the importance of sharing, we have four ways to approach it. You believe it's true and you do. You say you believe and you don't. You don't believe or you won't believe. Here's the take home. When we take time to think about eternity, we don't think enough about it. I'm not saying think of eternity to where you're no earthly good. No, think of eternity so that you can bring the goodness of God in earth right now. We are to be not of the world, but in the world. Who do you need to share your faith with this week? three people that you're sharing with throughout this year Who, who's you gonna have a conversation with ask god to open an opportunity and then take an assessment of where your hope lies take an assessment of where your hope lies think about that it's like what gets you excited or what's that trigger point like if you've had a bad day like your week just went kind of downhill you have to think and that happened to me midweek i was telling, i was like man i'm just kind of feeling the dumpster and i had to kind of think back okay god what was that it's like, oh this person said this it wasn't even bad Right? But my mind just started focusing more on that instead of the leading of the Lord. And It was that trigger point. So, take an assessment of where your hope lies. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. and We thank you that you are the only way that we can trust you in your ways, on your way. We thank you that you've come to deliver us from sin, from an eternal place called hell. We thank you, Jesus, that we can fully place our hope in you even when we don't see how you're gonna do it. So God, give us an increased measure of faith. Give us an increased measure of your Holy Spirit right now. Church, just spend time with him. Spend time with him. Let the Spirit of God just meet with you right now. Where are you placing your hope? Where do you need to think more of eternity? God's placing some people even on some minds in here. He's actually even opening up opportunity right now. You get that random text message uh, this afternoon. You know that's a God thing. Some of you are going to send that text message. Hey, can we get coffee? Let's pray to him. As we pray, I want to just speak specifically to those of you. and We have people here every week that this is your first time in church or you've been away from church for a long time and you just don't know where you're at with Jesus. You know the beautiful thing is that you don't have to be an expert of Jesus to receive Jesus in your life. It's not about what you do. See, God's already begun a work in you. He created you to have a relationship with him. But just like every single person and every person on this planet, we have fallen short of his glory. We've sinned. And the beautiful thing I'm telling you right now For those of you that you know you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus or you know that you've been far from Him, listen, here's the deal. It's not about your performance, it's not about you trying to do good things. Good things are good things, but they don't get you to God. Jesus is the way, and this is what He did. He died on the cross 2,000 years ago. He went to a cross, was crucified, rejected by the Jewish people, and crucified by the Romans on that cross. And he went there, not to just die a horrific death, but to take on the wrath of God, every sin that you've ever committed, and on that cross to forgive it. You see, if Jesus was just another guru, he would have died on the cross, and he would have been buried, and he would never rose again. But because Jesus is God, he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, you know what this means? That when he said he went to the cross to forgive you, he actually did it. This is your responsibility right now. If you know that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus or you've been far from him, this is your responsibility right now to receive him personally. Just pray to him right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross and raising from the dead. I'm placing my full faith and trust in you right now. Right now. Just tell him that. Don't put it off. Because The Bible says today is the day of your salvation. With every head's bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, if you're saying that's me, I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus. I was far from him or I've never even thought about him. I wanted nothing. But today I want his forgiveness in my life. I, I want to make him the, the, the God of my life. I, I, I want to I follow him. I want him to lead me. I want to receive his free grace. It's nothing that I do. It's everything that he already did that's you. You're receiving Jesus right now. With no one looking around, just slip up your hands like that. That's me. I want to place my faith and trust in Jesus. Thanks. Put your hand up. and Again, putting your hand up doesn't save you. I'm, just, I'm going to pray for you this week. I'm going to pray for you this week. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for those that are saying yes to you today. Thank you for those of the, that today that are followers of Christ. They are They're reassessing their hope and they're placing it only on you because you're the only way. God, I pray for those divine conversations. Oh, I'm excited. Kenosha is going to be changed this week. So, Father, I pray for the divine conversations that can be happening out in the streets the moment we get out of here. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Again, if you'd like more information about Emmanuel Kenosha Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church. Also, we'd love it if you'd connect with us on Facebook or Instagram, both at kenosha.church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes at Emanuel Kenosha. That way, you never have to miss an episode. At Emmanuel, we are not perfect people, but we are people being made new through Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next time on the Emmanuel Message Podcast.